Welcome to Valley Lights Church. I got some questions to start off our message today, uh, sort of related to friendships and relationships. How long does it take to build a really solid friendship? Maybe you've, um, maybe you've got some friendships that go way back. I mean, where, where do you go to find heart-level friends, people that you connect with on a deep level? Where do you, where do you find people like that? And maybe here, another question, how good are you at making new friends? Are you a person that you go, you go to a new place and you make new friends right away, or does it take you a while, or do you get, is it hard for you to step outside your shell? Relationships with fellow Christians is a really high priority to God. And in Matthew 22, Jesus tells us, there's a story about um, one person that asked Jesus, he said, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Which is the greatest command? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second, and this, he says, this is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And I think it's pretty amazing that right up there, right, right after love the Lord your God is about loving people. He's referring to these relation, deep relationships that we have with others. And so deep, meaningful relationships are a really vital part of the Christian life. And it's important for Christians to understand the value of relationships and for us to, to know how to do them God's way. I think you and I probably know lots of bad ways to do relationships. <laughs> it's really important to know God's way. And so today we're starting a new series called Sharing Our Very Lives. If we're going to do relationships God's way, we've really got to open up our hearts to people. The trouble, though with opening up our hearts is our, our hearts tend to be narrow. Instead of having hearts wide open, we, we tend to get narrowed. Some, you know, maybe it might be that only, we only let certain people in or under certain conditions. And I think there's a few things that tends to cause a narrowing effect on our hearts. One, one of course, is our own selfishness because relationships, you have to be, you have to be willing to give <laughs> in order to have a relationship. Loving other people, it takes a lot of time, uh, you know. I, I don't know if you've ever felt that, that feeling of um, getting home after a day at work or being out, and uh, what you want to do is just park and then go inside. You don't want to see anybody, because if you see somebody, you may have to talk to them, and that may interrupt, you know, your, your plans, or you don't want to get into this awkward, small talk conversation. And it's, and it's just because people and relationships, it just, it takes some work, it takes some time, it takes being willing to maybe inconvenience our schedules. We don't really like that. It's really, it's really natural for us to look at relationships based on what we're going to get out of it rather than always looking to the interests of others. That's, that's hard for us. I think another thing that tends to narrow our hearts is society, the society that we live in, because I think our society overall places a low value on relationships. You can find a lot of articles today you know, showing trends of um, loneliness and depression and people feeling isolated. And I think really the, the pace of life, also the use of media and technology, it, it trends towards isolation where people, you know, everyone's just starving to feel connected and to feel close to people, feel known and valued online. And then it's amazing you can do that, but not actually have a connection at a genuine heart level with people. So I think our society tends to narrow our hearts. We just kind of fall into this, this uh, system where, where, where we're, we're interacting in a way that doesn't go very deep. 
Also, I think another reason our hearts get narrow is a, a lack of skill. Because, you know, relating to people and, and even just having conversation can be a struggle. Maybe, I don't know if you feel like you're a good people person. I don't know if you feel like you're a good conversationalist. Like, you can walk into a coffee shop and just start chatting with people. There's a few people that are good, or, that are really good at that. But, uh, you know, for, for, I think for a lot of people, making conversations kind of hard. Like, what do I say? Where do I take the conversation? What if they're not that chatty? Or what if they're awkward? Um, you know, there was, I have a, a friend who's in, uh, he's in the, the school system, and he's been a teacher for, in, in high school for many years, in almost a couple decades. And he was saying how he, he's, he's noticed the lack of skill, you know, as, as the years go on. Because it used to be he would go from one classroom to another, and outside all the kids were interacting. They'd be maybe their, their friend groups or their social circles, and they're grouped in certain ways, you know, the nerds and the jocks and the athletes and all that stuff. He said at the, at the end, in the past few years, he'd walk out, and then nobody was talking to anybody. It was just people plugged into things or on their, their devices, and maybe, maybe people are just losing, not just, you know, students and high schoolers, but maybe, maybe all of us to a certain degree are losing some of the skills required to relate to people. It's, it's kind of hard. And then one more thing that perhaps narrows our hearts when it comes to people is really packed schedules. A busy life makes it really hard to have unrushed time with people. If relationships take time and conversations take time, we need to have time together. And it's just really, sometimes it's hard to find that with all the things going on in our schedule day to day. So there, there might be a lot of things pulling at us. There may be a lot of challenges to overcome when it, in terms of placing a high value on relationships. There's maybe a lot of challenges to overcome. But life takes on a brighter, more vibrant shine when we understand how God designed us to relate. And one of the things I want to look at today from Scripture is that God's love leads us to deep affection for one another. God's love within us really leads to some, some deep affection for each other. And we, I'm going to show you a really stunning example of this in the Bible. There's a, there's a point in the early church when Paul and Silas started a new church in the city of Thessalonica, and people there responded to the gospel quickly and wholeheartedly, and so they, they embraced Jesus Christ after Paul and Silas, this team, this two-man team, went to share the gospel. And, but later, Paul was in a different location, he was in a, he, so he's writing back to these Christians in Thessalonica, and the, the people that he was writing to, this is actually probably one of the first letters that we have from Paul, and these people were a bright spot. And when he, th when he thought about the Thessalonians, he just, he just, joy and gratitude just started bubbling up. He was overflowing for this group of people. And so as he's reflecting on his time, he, he writes this, he says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Now, there is some pretty incredible emotion packed into this verse. Paul here, when he, when he talks this way, he is a model. So, you know, Paul's a pretty strong guy, a very capable leader. Even though he is, a, he is probably a very loud, dynamic leader, he invested his heart into the people that he served. This verse, when I talk about this, he says, we, we wanted to share not just the gospel, but our lives, our very selves. That word lives actually can, mean, um, can be translated soul. 
He's like, I wanted to share my soul with you guys. Not, not just the gospel, certainly that. But I, I wanted to, to be connected on a, on a very deep level. And so this verse, it makes, me, it makes me want to be like Paul. It makes me want to be a better friend. It makes me want to be a better pastor, a better father. And so what we see, that first phrase, when, he, when Paul wrote this, that we cared so much for you. That word in the Greek, it's actually a, a phrase in English, but in the Greek it's a word that means to, to deeply long for, to deeply desire. So there's this really strong emotional connection and longing that Paul had for two things. He really wanted them to receive the gospel. It's the primary reason he was there. But not only that, he wanted, to, he wanted them to receive his soul as a precious friend. So, of course, Paul was going to share the gospel. That's what he did. That's what he was known for. He was bold in that way. He, everywhere he went, he shared the gospel. He really wanted them to receive the good news and find salvation. But his goal wasn't, all right, you guys, you get your Jesus, and then you go on your merry way. No, no, in addition to sharing about Jesus, he wanted, he wanted to share himself. So, the amazing thing about this, he's, he was only there for about a month. So you're like, you think about this, this close emotional connection, and it was, it was a matter of a few weeks before he and Silas got run out of the city with some unbearable persecution. And so the, these friendships that sound so deep and rich were just a few weeks old. And, I mean, it, it kind of brings, an, you know, brings that question back to mind. How, how long does it take to create really deep bonds with people? How long does it take to make a, a deep friendship? I think it can happen fairly quick when both sides are really wrapped up in the interests of Christ and when, when people are really focused on the gospel. And I've actually experienced this, experienced this a few times. There was once we went on a, a missions trip to Germany with a team of people from others in our church network. Aaron and I went and um, we, uh, we, were, we, had, we went through, when you go on a missions trip and you're with people every day and you're sleeping in the same places, I think that's, I think that's part of what what the special sauce is for getting to know people really well. I don't know if you've ever been to like summer camp or <laughs> times when you're riding buses together, but for us on this missions trip, we were, we were on flights together. We, were, we didn't have any transportation, so we were running the streets of Germany trying to catch buses, and Aaron was, um, I think, eight months pregnant with, seven months pregnant with Dawson? Timothy. I, anything related to pregnancy, the details get a little fuzzy for me. So, <laughs> but we're just running the streets, and um, there's a few people on that team with us that we, I felt really connected, and we had served together, and eaten together, and had this really amazing experience centered around the gospel together, so that even still when I see them, actually I saw them at a wedding last night, I'm, I, feel this, I feel this connection, similar to what Paul is saying, this close connection. This happened also recently with, um, we were at a, a a farm, there's this older couple in Salinas that they host pastors in, on their farm with these, they're kind of like Airbnb type houses that you can stay at. And we got to spend a lot of time just chatting with this older couple that have been in ministry for a long time. And we just bonded really closely, um, so, sort of centered around the gospel. And um, there's some close connections that I think can happen. And so you've got, you got a guy like Paul writing a letter like this where he's probably the most powerfully spiritual person during that century. I mean, other than Jesus, Paul was the best theologian. He was the best Christian scholar. There was a lot in his noggin. And here he spends a few weeks in Thessalonica, and there's this deep affection that wells up within him so much that he would give his soul to these people. So Paul certainly had a genuine, authentic love for others. There was, 
from what I can tell, there's no posing, there was no being artificial, there was no just, you know, saying nice things. He was enjoying these people for who they were. And I want to show you a piece of furniture that I think sort of represents this concept. One of my favorite pieces of furniture. It's a, it's a chair that you've probably used before. This is, a, I'm going to show you a picture of an Adirondack chair. And uh, this is maybe, maybe known by other names, maybe a, a lounge chair or a beach chair. Have you ever sit in a chair that looks like this? Anybody before? Okay, so by the way, they're, they're called Adirondack chairs because they're from upstate New York, which is where I'm from. And so, you know. When you, when you just sit out, I've spent a lot of time in the Adirondack camping. That's a, the pace of life up there is much slower. You've got time to breathe in the beauty of the landscape. I love referring to um, upstate New York as the Shire. It's, it's like if there's a place outside of New Zealand that they could have shot, you know, the, the land of the hobbits, it would be upstate New York. Um, but this chair is really popular because it's so comfortable. And in this photo, you see a bunch of Adirondack chairs around a fire, and they're all facing each other. And these chairs, especially if you've got a nice seat cushion on them, these chairs are, they are for unrushed conversation with other people. Because once you sit down, you don't, you don't get up very fast. <laughs> you know, you're kind of, you're stuck in there. You're, you're reclining, you're settled in. You sit in a chair like that, if you've got some iced tea, your mind is open, your body is in an open position just to, to chat, and you're ready for time with people. So when I read about... Paul's you know, description of his relationships in this letter, I could imagine him sitting in a chair like this, calling people over and just saying, hey, let's just enjoy some time together. I got nowhere to go because one of the most important things in all the world right now is our relationships. It's time together. Just enjoying being together, centered on gospel-centered conversations. And so even, you know, that verse I read at the very beginning where it said, Jesus said, the very, the very first important thing, the most important command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second and most greatest, it, it, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It was really important to Jesus that we would love each other deeply. And so let me, let me make a disclaimer, though. You know, when it comes to, you know, a nice relaxing chair like this, church, church is not a lounge. <laughs> church is not, it's not a country club or a cruise, we are still people united by a common mission. God has given us a lot of work to accomplish, some really good work for us to accomplish together. And so there's more than than just sitting and sipping iced tea. Um, A lounge chair isn't, you know, the symbol of Christianity. But I think what I'm saying is this this can maybe represent an attitude of unrushed time with people. Um, I was at a wedding last night, I had mentioned, and I, would, I met a bunch of people that I hadn't seen in a while, and I was thinking about this concept as I was getting ready for this message, and I, as people would come up and start chatting with me, I just had this, this Adirondack chair min- m- mindset. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just, um, there's a lot in my mind, there's a lot happening in this room, but I'm just going to focus on this person for, you know, the next five to ten minutes, and just really, like, look at them in the eyes, and talk, and listen, and, and share. And, um, just unrushed time with people. And so in the same way, Paul was saying he wanted to share not just the gospel, but his life. There was another group of people that Paul opened up his heart to. Philippi was a city not far from Thessalonica, and he had a similar affection and love for the Philippians. And so when he writes about them, his, his emotions bubble over as well, and he, wrote, he writes a letter. And um, when he opened up his heart to them in person, uh, he would converse with them as, as 
really close friends. And so he writes this back in a letter to the, the Philippians. He says, I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You can, again, you can see kind of this <clears throat> focus on the mission of Jesus. He says, for God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is where he kind of gives us the background of where, where is he even getting all this love from? Where did Paul get this deep love for people? He's saying it comes from Jesus Christ. When God invaded Paul's life, there welled up a deep affection for fellow believers that I think is supernatural. It's, it's a kind of love for people that uh, you can't really find in the world. You can't muster up on your own, at least not for very long, and at least not under any conditions. You know, all the conditions of the world. It wasn't just Paul loving these people. It was Jesus in Paul loving these people. Christ was moving in the apostle. And so people began to interact with Paul, but what they felt was Jesus' love through him. That's incredible. That's incredible that they could feel God through a person. Don't you wish people would say that about you, about me, about us, that, that people could feel the love of God, the affection of Jesus through us. In the way that we love people deeply, they will feel a warm, comforting embrace from God. So as I mentioned at the beginning, God's love leads us to deep affection for one another. And that's why the very first step is that we experience God's love for ourselves. The starting point for any of this, if we're going to have the kind of relationships that enrich life in this way and point to God in this way, we've really got to start by <clears throat> submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ as Lord. And at that point, if we, if we put our faith in Jesus, God welcomes us into his family. And I want you to hear next from two people in our church that have been pace setters in this area. They've, they've done, demonstrated this a lot. A lot of people have experienced the love that, that, they, that has been shared from this couple. So Mitchell and Marie, as a couple, you guys can come on up here. And um, this couple helped us get the church started in 2020. And um, they knew going in, once, once they signed up to help us out, start the church, they, they knew that if we're going to get this church started, we're going to have to pour ourselves out for people. We're going to have to put our hearts on the line. Um, we're going to have to just start loving and serving people, anybody that God brings across our path. And the same for the others that had um, helped us to get the church started as well. Um, so, but I wanted to ask you guys specifically a few questions. Um, you have widened your hearts to include more people. Um, there was one guy recently, we had a, a gathering, and he had said about Mitchell Marie that he said, the first time I did a hangout outside of Sunday morning service was because Mitchell Marie invited me. And they've, you know, you've been the first to go over to dinner at a, at a new person's house, or just, there's been times when by reaching out and including people, you've really demonstrated that you value relationships. So three questions for you. Uh, the first question is, what motivates you to open up your lives to other people? Um, as we reflect on this, the first thing that came to mind was just really focusing on Christ's example. Uh, numerous times throughout the New Testament, we really see Jesus extending himself for others, inconveniencing himself. Um, the disciples are tired and they're like ready to move on. Jesus is like, nope, we're going over here. We're going to connect with these people. We're going to minister to them. So that, I think that really 
um, just even out of the foundational level is something that gives us energy and, and encouragement that you know we, if this is how Christ extended himself we can also do that um, or try to at least um, and then another thing is by the example of others um, we experienced before coming here to Valley Lights um, at our old church uh, just this continual pattern of people extending themselves for us to include us. And even as our lives got more complicated, um, you know, as they added kids or changed jobs or moved, um, people continued to make us a priority and include us, even in the midst of that. Like it wasn't like we were always going over there and, and their house was perfect or, you know, there was laundry out sometimes or dishes in the sink. And I think it just really, motivated us to be like, hey, we can do that too. Like, it doesn't have to be this like perfect picture of, of hosting and including people. So I think that's um, just brought us a lot of perspective over the years. Excellent. Another question is, what obstacles do you have to overcome in terms of just opening up your hearts to people? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we're human. We uh, both work full time, and so we have limited time and energy. And that's been one of the biggest kind of obstacles to overcome. But I think one way we've really ever been able to overcome that is really finding opportunities to um, like just rely and really trust in God with our time and energy um, without kind of exerting ourselves to get really a little bit less sleep to have a continual a deep conversation with someone or um, if it's like just a more simple dinner, like finding ways to kind of simplify things and again, like you mentioned, um, just kind of roll with it. And also um, I think for me personally is really Setting aside my preferences, that's a huge obstacle to really um, meeting people where they're at. Um, I either have to expend myself in terms of energy or I want to come home after a long day and just like not talk to anyone for a little bit. Um, but in extending myself, I've seen like a lot of just joy um, and refreshment that that brings. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two is time and energy and then just my own preferences of what I think it looks like or what I want to do. Yeah. Excellent. And the last question is, what, what are some of the benefits that you both have experienced? I think you mentioned at least one just now, but what are some of the benefits that have come from opening up your lives to people? Um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's just something I think that has made this um, part of the country just feel, feel like home to us um, is because of the relationships here. Um, life is, is just so much more meaningful. I think, you know, when we moved out here, it was, you know, we were tempted to feel lonely or isolated. It was, you know, COVID times 2020, and uh, I think it's just brought a lot of meaning to our lives that you have uh, friendships and relationships that are deep and are, you know, at that heart level, like Bruce was describing, and we really just do life together, um, learning and growing together, um, you know, seeing each other's lives, uh, you know, day in and day out, not just on Sundays. I think it's just brought a lot of richness and Yeah, I think one of the big benefits is like you described, um, like new friends who are really fight off loneliness. There's that's just part of life sometimes, and so whether it's being in a new place or just a really like busy season of life. Um, and then another big benefit was um, relationships and doing life with people in church. Drinks a lot of joy and happiness. Um, life can be a little mundane often. Um, we all have responsibilities and kind of the normal things to do, but. Um, having people over, going over there, always gave me something to look forward to. And I always felt very refreshed and really just kind of um, overjoyed after leaving. Um, and so I think that's just a, a sweetness from God to experience that with people during the week especially. Um, and so I think that's one of the really tangible benefits. Mm. 
Oh, another one, bonus. Um, I work from home too, so I think you know the the relational need to like connect with people meaningfully outside of work. Um, I think that's something that I really found in our church community. Like our, my coworkers are great, but it's it's a it's a different way of relating, it's a different culture. Um, so I think you know the the real nourishing, mutually beneficial friendships that really come from our church community have just brought a lot of joy and You mentioned feeling refreshed by time with people. Sometimes you can spend time with people and not feel refreshed. <laughs> uh, I suppose maybe depending on how the hangout goes. There's a proverb in Proverbs 11. It says, "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." So sometimes when we go in, when we go in with the goal of getting refreshed, sometimes it doesn't happen. But when we go in, like they often go in with the goal to refresh other people. God is the one who brings the refreshment. And I think you've experienced that a lot. That's a very different way of looking at hangouts um, and people. So uh, this happens to be Mitchell and Marie's last Sunday here at Valley Life Church, which is very sad. Um, very excited to see what God's going to be doing in your, in your life over the next year. But um, they've, they've, helped, they've play, uh, played a crucial role. They're going to be um, moving to Colorado to continue a doctoral program, you're going to get a, uh, a PhD in clinical neuropsychology. Is that right? All right, I said it right that time. Um, so um, they were, they are, their goal has been to, to be as local as possible, but as God has directed things, they, they've got to go out of state at least for a year with the hope of coming back. Um, but that's with a Lord willing, open-handed um, attitude. And so They've been here every Sunday for three years, <laughs> carrying a lot of weight. And so I just want, since this is their last day, I wanted to just take a minute to pray for them. So let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for this incredible couple and for blessing our church with um, Mitchell and Marie and the many, many ways that you've blessed other people. You've caused people to grow, find new life in Jesus, and um, even be spurred on towards walking with Christ more closely because of watching their lives. And um, they've, they've, they've let, they're, they're, they're leaving a lot here. They've, they've done really well in serving you here. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help them now in this time of transition. Would you provide everything that they need to move forward in this next chapter of their lives and that you would direct them in any additional future ministry involvement, and that you would guide them in all their next steps for schooling and for in their marriage and their new family life. And, um, and even where you're going to direct them for a church. I pray, Lord, that you would um, cause others at Valley Lights to step up and, and fill some of the holes and the roles that they've been playing, and that you'd cause our church to grow even stronger as, as we um, look to Christ to lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for sharing, you guys. So one of the things that uh, they've done in particular, as the last thing I wanted to say is that um, they are, and this is, this is the part where you can get involved, uh, Mitchell and Marie are very intentional to notice newer people at our church, and then they take steps to bridge them in. And this is very, very important. And not everybody does this, but this is, this is our, our relational community is, is a very precious thing. And um, 
so Michel Marie, and then there's actually, there's a few others that um, are very intentional in this, that have really helped our church to grow. Um, and so we've got, we've got a handful of, I would call them bridge people, <laughs> where, where you notice the new people and you, you do whatever you can to bridge them in. And uh, since, since, since they're leaving, we're down to bridge people, which means there's, there's potentially a vacancy that you can fill. Um, you can become a crucial part of this community. You can become a person that looks around the room, or if you're at a, if you're at a gathering at a party or a small group or a life group or something like that, you, you step in, you, you look at people and you see like, all right, who's, who's the newer person here? I'm gonna go walk over to that person. I'm gonna invite them in, I'm gonna invite them over, I'm gonna start the conversation. And you can begin in that way to welcome new people into our community. And I would say that our glue, if, if our church has a glue that like helps people stick, our glue is that people get invited and have a meaningful time. So there, there's other kinds of glue, maybe. Maybe some glue is like really, really flashy advertising campaigns. I would not say that's our glue. <laughs> um, maybe it's a really strong social media presence. Maybe it's a really, really high production value on Sunday morning with all, with all the fixings. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things it could be, but for us, our glue really is it's the people. It's you guys. It's, it's somebody gets invited out to lunch or over to the house or into a conversation. Somebody gets invited and they have a meaningful time, and that's what makes them stick. Um, really, our glue is the joy and the sweetness of our fellowship. Our love for others will make newer people stick and stay. And then, after, someone has just, after someone's plugged in, they wonder, man, how, how did I make it without such a refreshing community before now? Guests at Valley Lights must experience our culture in a meaningful way. If you want to help with that, or if you want to just increase the value of relationships in your life in general, I have a few suggestions. It would really be to widen your heart. You know, I had mentioned earlier, there's some things that kind of compress our hearts and make us kind of lean into ourselves. I would say widen your hearts. Paul, Paul addressed another group of Christians in Corinth, and he, he gave them this urge. He said to them um, in chapter 6, we have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I speak to you. I speak as to my children as a proper response. Open your heart to us. So he said, go ahead, op open your heart up. Open your heart up to people. Begin, begin to express your affection to the people that God has put around you. And for some reason, the affection of the Corinthian church was restricted. There was like, it was like bottlenecked on something. And they, they really put a limit on their love for people. So Paul said, widen your heart. Begin to value people. And so I, a few suggestions that I have. These are things that, this is not like a magical Bible formula. But these, these are things that, um, if, you, if you do any of these next few bullets, these, these, are, these are indicators that your value for people is growing. One, one of them would be that you'd stick around after church service to talk with people. So it's easy, especially if you're in a newer place, you know, service is over, you head for the doors, that's normal. Um, or sometimes people stick around to help with the teardown. And I, a lot, actually a lot of great conversations can happen during the work. I, I love getting to connect with other guys while we're, you know, moving heavy stuff. Um, but I tend to be a task-oriented oriented person where, like, once the job's done, I'm like, okay, so now we can stop relating because, you know, <laughs> all we got left is just, you know, talking. 
Um, I would say there's a really big value in sticking around simply for the sake of talking. Just to talk. Think of the Adirondack chair. Just like settle in. You don't have to settle in for a long time, but just settle in for maybe five, ten minutes. Or even better than that, grab lunch. And so this is, this is one. Your, your value of people is going to go up if you do this. Another would be to attend events, groups, or activities outside of church. Sunday morning, of course, is our big regular gathering, but there's other ways to connect with people outside. Um, whether it's organized by Valley Lights or just some friends, go hang out. Participate. Join a group. We're going to start a new round of, of life groups in September. That's a really great way to, to begin to, to practice this. Another thing would be to actively seek out people to get time with them outside of church. So there may be people here at part of our church that maybe you got their phone number. Maybe you need to get their phone number. Maybe you need to send out a text to invite them. And instead of waiting for an invite or just waiting to see if you get the invite, you actively are the one going to seek out people. Another thing you could do is be to meet the needs of those around me. Um, there's lots of ways that we could serve each other, and there's a lot of good that God does as we just help each other out. Bring meals if people are, are sick or in the hospital or um, had a baby. Um, help people move. Um, there's a move happening later today where we're going to be helping some friends out. Um, you can fix things together, build a fence, you know, drive a friend to the airport. Whenever a need arises, be the first one to show up on the scene. Uh, another one would be to make an effort to have right relationships with those around me. Um, when, when we're thinking about right relationships, this is, this is important because we need to keep an eye out for when relationships get messed up. So, I don't know about you, but my relationships get messed up sometimes, and that's normal. You know, you might, you might get offended. You might have offended somebody. And we, what, this, what this idea is that we're, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do relationships God way, we've got to be committed to living rightly with each other. And so I'm going I'm to really make an effort to make sure that we're, we're keeping things right. And then the last is to treat others right and live out the heart attitudes in all areas of life. The heart attitudes are um, the core values of our church. We have seven. Members commit to these heart attitudes, but it's things like putting the goals of others above mine. It's being open and honest about who I am as a person. Uh, the real me. It's, it's being open to input and being willing to give correction as needed and, and being willing to clear up relationships when they get messed up. And so all of these bullets, these are indicators of a person who values relationships. If a person is doing these things, it's probably because they really care about people. And a lot of these things require that we give something up. Uh, I don't know what kind of things you might need to give up or to alter or maybe sacrifice in order to invest more relationally. But later in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he praised them for their sincere love to each other. And he writes this, he says, this is great, it's like this, he pays them a great compliment. And he writes this, he says, about brotherly love, which is this kind of stuff we, we, all morning we were talking about, you could, you could describe it as brotherly love. He says, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. They had this amazing reputation for loving each other. He says, but we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. (laughs) 
He's like, you're, when it comes to brotherly love, you guys are doing a great job. But do it even more than you're already doing it. Just lean into that even more. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I, I can agree with Paul about this statement when it comes to valley lights. I know that the love of Jesus resides in many of your hearts, and it overflows into genuine love and affection for each other. So keep it up. Continue to widen your hearts to include more people. The Christian life isn't just about fulfilling a list of duties and making sure you do and don't do the right things. We get to experience the joy and the meaning of meaningful relationships. As our love for God grows, our affection for his people also grows. And this adds so much color and delight to life. So may it be that you feel God's love flowing in you as you enjoy time with others this week. Next week, we're going to look at another biblical command that has a very powerful impact on deepening our relationships. And then the following Sunday, um, there's going to be a guest speaker who's going to continue this series, a guy that I discipled for many years from our sending church, and so I'm really excited about that as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for guiding us this morning through your word and um, for the joy that comes from, from spending time together with other people that, that you've called and that you're saving and, and maybe people that don't even know you, but as we invest, we get to, to experience more of your love. And so I pray that that would happen here. I pray that our church would, as Paul said, do this more and more, that brotherly love and affection for others would, would flow all the more out of us and that uh, more people would, would connect with you as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.